You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Greetings. You are listening to Intuit from Vulture. I'm your host, Sam Sanders. And this week... We're going to talk about Elon Musk. (laughs) I know. Lacey, I'm sorry. We have to. He kind of runs the quote-unquote public square now, right? He's haunting me. (laughs) (laughs) All of us. All of us. So later on in the show, we will tell you about the one time that Elon tried to basically fund a new version of The Onion. He did that. Didn't work out, but that story can reveal a lot about how Elon Musk might run Twitter. That is later in this episode, but first, a game with the one, the only, scam goddess Lacey Mosley. Hi, Lacey. It's so great to have you here. Hi, Sam. It's so great to be here, King. Yes. This is going to be amazing. Before we start, I got to say, I don't just love you because you had me on your show. I love you because your show is great, and now the world knows it. I believe a few weeks ago, you were named one of the best, or your podcast, Scam Goddess, was named one of the best 10 podcasts of the year, right? Yes, by time. I was like, hey, that, hey, that, hey. Was, that was the TikTok of the old girlies. That's all we had was time. Telling us what was <laughs> Not up. the I TikTok like, oh of God. the old girlies. <laughs> Not the TikTok of the old okay. girlies. Well, That's congratulations. before the digital watch. I love uh-huh. time. I love time so much. Thank you so much. It was a huge honor. For folks who haven't heard it yet, tell our listeners what your show, Scam Goddess, is all about. So if you love robbery, if you love fraud, if you're into true crime, but you don't want to hear about like a nice person being murdered on their jog home, you'll probably love Scam Goddess. It's a really fun ride that I'm on with you and some of the best guests that the world has to offer, including Sam Sanders, who did an amazing episode with me. That's one of my favorites. We had uh, what's his face? Pastor Gucci? Yes, we had Pastor Gucci. Yes. (laughs) It was so fun. (laughs) Listeners, go check it out. Scam Goddess, a podcast you must enjoy. Trust me on this. Uh, Let's play a game, Lacey. But before we play the game, I want to have some manners, have some home training, and and ask you, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, my Thanksgiving was actually very, very, extremely fun. I got in the kitchen this year. I actually helped cook. I felt like I was in the bear. It was just like, yes, chef. Yes, chef to my mom. <laughs> um, she ordered us around. And then uh, I, I'm, you know, live in Cali. So I, I did bring some legal California 
Good you know, I'm you. the fun auntie now. So I brought some legal California auntie candy and um, it led <laughs> to many a spit take and a lot of singing and running around um, acting a fool with my uh, relatives. It was really fun. Uh, did you see that video of the woman washing her greens with soap in the bathtub before Thanksgiving? If you don't clean your greens like this or your chillings, then don't eat them. That was, there's so many things that Thanksgiving revealed this year that were deeply upsetting to me. <laughs> that, the sick bowl. I was oh, like, bro, yeah. y'all, you cannot, you cannot multipurpose with food. Like, you can't be like, oh, this is where we uh, soak our feet and also where we clean our greens. Like, no, yeah. you can't do both. It's like, I want to have faith in humanity and believe that we are the superior species and that we're really, really smart. And then strangers talk about their food habits and practices on Twitter. And I'm reminded that maybe we should go go extinct. Perhaps we should. Because yeah. what are we doing? It's a mess. What are we doing? Honestly, like, if I'm eating at somebody else's house, I'm popping up on them days before the event, like the FDA, and I'm doing a little <laughs> inspection. Okay. <laughs> White gloves and all. White yep. gloves and all. Oh my goodness. We check for everything. <laughs> Droppings. <laughs> yes. With that, I hope all of our listeners had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, that part out of the way, let's just play the game. It's called Into It, Not Into It. I think this is your first time playing, Lacey. Are you scared? It Are is. you nervous? I'm not. I was practicing online. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to rehearse for this. No way to practice. It's totally Don't you worry about that, okay? I figured it out. If y'all want to practice uh-huh. as well, hit me up. It's only $5.99. <laughs> I love it. So this game is really simple. I share a few stories from the week of pop culture, from the zeitgeist, and you just tell me if you're into these things or not into these things, and tell me why. At the end yes. of the game, I will tell you if you won or lost based on how much I like your opinions. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm honest. I'm honest. Here we go. Lacey, are you into or not into attending a Notorious B.I.G. concert? Can, can I have one clarifying question? Yes, you can. You can have several. <laughs> okay. Where am I seated? Okay. Are we talking like gin pop with where, you know, questionable weapons could be coming into play? Or am I at a box? Am I backstage? Probably more dangerous. Uh, where am I located? You're probably located on the couch in your living room because this Notorious B.I.G. concert is brought to you through Meta and Facebook, and it's a virtual <laughs> reality concert. No. Are you into it more or less now that you know that? Listen, honestly, I'm more into it because now I'm not having to worry about my safety. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So this concert, it's kind of wild. You know, every few years, someone tries to hologram a dead celebrity, and I hate it mm-hmm. every time. The latest iteration of this trend is happening through Meta and Facebook on December 16th. It's going to be a Notorious B.I.G. concert featuring a, quote, true-to-life, hyper-realistic avatar of Biggie. He'll perform his hits, and it will all be narrated by Teray. The journalist. What a know, balance. What, what, that's just so much. Also, when they say life size, is it like I'm going to put on whatever Oculus or whatever I'm watching it from and then it's going to be like Biggie standing next to me like, oh, oh, or is he like on stage or is he literally in my living room? <laughs> I think watching a VR Biggie concert with those Oculus eye frame glasses lenses on mm-hmm. is a hazard to your health. You start bopping too much. You can't see what you're doing. You fall off the couch. No one's there to save you. This whole thing just feels off to me. I'm not into it. I kind of feel like you are, though. 
I'm, listen, it's the spice of life, okay? Yeah, I get injured in my Oculus. I fall off my balcony because I was dancing too hard. Uh, I don't know. Could be fun. All right, you're into that. I'm not so much. Let's move on. Lacey, are you into or not into Jeff Bezos and Amazon Studios deciding to subject us to even more Tyler Perry? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I'm going to lose, Sam, because I already can tell we're just not going to be on the same page. And I love that for us. Come on, discourse. Come on, think piece. Because I'm going... (laughs) into it listen okay. Tyler Perry is making the worst entertainment out there and I love that for us because I'm sorry guys go watch Acrimony it is the best worst film you will ever see how did she get on the boat questions like these you can you can never have the answer to if you watch Acrimony like he, it's entertaining to me a little bit I mean is it good mm. <laughs> it's not good it's not good mm-hmm. you promised me forever and she was there all the time no, no that is not true Mel I never cheated on you I never cheated on you, Mel. Never. I love you. Always will. Good. Then make her jump off the boat. So Tyler Perry and Amazon Studios have reached a four-picture film deal. Mm -hmm. Tyler Perry is going to write, direct, and produce four features on (laughs) Amazon Prime in more than 240 countries and territories. But here's my question, Lacey. He's going to have all this Amazon money, but will his new projects still look low-budget as hell as they usually do? Yes, and if they don't, I will be disappointed. I want everybody in all four movies using the same wig. I will accept nothing less, okay? (laughs) I want every movie shot in 48 hours, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I want mess. I want mess. I better not see no moving shots. I better not see no cinematography. That's not what we do over here at TP Studios. <laughs> Apparently, he said in some interview years ago that he can write like 10 or 12 screenplays a day. And I'm like, bro, it shows. We can it tell. Shows. Like, we're not... Are we supposed to be impressed, bro? I saw you. I know people. I'm not gonna out them, but I know people who are on, who are on, currently on his shows, and they shot 22 episodes in three weeks, which it's usually <laughs> a week an episode, y'all. That's that's wild. That means they were doing one take of everything and be like, got it. And they're like, there's like I I've heard a story from someone there. They're like, Tyler, there was a boom throughout that whole shot, and they were like, he was like, my fans don't care about what booms are. And <laughs> they just moved on. <laughs> Okay, again, we disagree. You're into it. I'm not so much. I love mess. Come on. What's the world without mess? All right, last question for you. Lacey, are you into or not into that new Knives Out movie, Glass Onion, only being in movie theaters for like a week? I love it. Did you see this? Yes, you think it's a scam? I love a scam, and I am into it. Netflix just did that so it could qualify for certain awards, because you have yeah. to show it in theaters. I'm into it. Okay. The story of this is kind of weird to me, though, because it seems as if Knives Out, had it stayed in theaters, would have made a bunch of money. So usually a film as big as Knives Out is going to release mm-hmm. on like 3,000 to 4,000 screens across the country. But for Thanksgiving weekend, they just put it on a few hundred screens. Mm-hmm. In spite of that small screen count, 
This new Knives Out movie made like $15 million on Thanksgiving weekend. But now Netflix says if you haven't seen it yet, you have to wait till it's on Netflix on December 23rd. And I guess this like builds buzz and momentum for the film on Netflix, but I just feel like they were leaving money on the table. They could have had this thing in theaters through Christmas. I would have gone a few times. I think that they're trying a new strategy of creating scarcity. Because Netflix is like the real shake them down. And I love that for them, okay? <laughs> they're like, you know you know, you want to watch these Stranger Things. You know you want to run up that hill. So you better give us $40 this week because that's what Netflix costs Not this 40 <laughs> Is too much. I will say, I'm very excited about this new Knives Out movie. It seems like the kind of film that everybody can enjoy. We need more of those. Old folks love it. Young folks like it. Everybody's into this franchise. I forgive Daniel Craig's not great Southern accent. I like this this <laughs> franchise. I'm into it. We would just discuss some possible motives in the family. It's like Clue. It's like, but like a live, live action Clue. And I think that everyone can get into that. Everyone loves a good mystery. I will say that I'm halfway into this, halfway not into it. The part of me that loves mess is into it. But I will say I agree with you that like when you get finally a movie that, and I'm not hating on Marvel. I want to be in Marvel. I would like to be a villain in a Marvel movie. I think I would look great and be hilarious. Okay. But okay. I will say that like, Outside of those movies, like, you're not really seeing anything in theaters anymore. And, like, Knives Out, you know, Glass Onion was a perfect opportunity to see something, like, a little more nuanced, but still really fun for everyone that wasn't, like, dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, so they kind of robbed us of that. but They did. Netflix, call me. I can give you strategy advice for a very, very big consulting fee. I love you, Netflix. <laughs> I'll be back on you soon. <laughs> yes. All right, Lacey, I'm going to share the results of the game and tell you oh, if no. you won or not. But first, I'm going to tell you a little secret that we programmed into the game this week. This entire game was a game of scams. In honor of you, Netflix is a scam. Tyler Perry is a scam. The metaverse is a scam. We made the entire Into It, Not Into It game this week scamtastic. Just for you, Lacey. Oh, my God, you scammed me. <laughs> I'm so honored. Oh, yes. We did. We did. We did. With that, let me calculate the points and see if you won. Um, You win. Congrats. Yes! Thank you. Oh, this is so fun. Please come back anytime. Listeners, check out Lacey Mosley's amazing podcast, Scam Goddess. Uh, Happy holidays to you and yours. Come back soon. Thank you. You too, Sam. Thanks for having me. Of course. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Imagine, if you will, a tech billionaire. And now, arguably, the biggest visionary of them all. Trying to build a, quote, intergalactic media empire. I think we're at the dawn of a new era, and, and it's, it's, I think it's going to be very exciting. A space where satire reigns supreme. Yesterday, he changed the title of his Twitter bio to Chief Twit. A platform connected to the wealth and power that comes with proximity to one of the richest men in the world. Elon Musk. Yes, I'm talking about Elon Musk. But no, I am not talking about Twitter. Headquarters carrying a sink, tweeting, let that sink in. Clever. I'm talking about Thud. Yes, You know, every once in a while, Elon just tweets something kind of ridiculous, and you can't really tell if it's real or fake until he maybe acts on it some number of months later. That's Jake Kastronakis. He writes for The Verge. And a few years ago, Jake wrote about the story of Thud. Thud was this satire project founded by two former staffers of The Onion. Years ago, Elon was all in on Thud. And he promised to fund it. Thud was one of those things that he was kind of uh, hyping up on Twitter. And so he started promising that he was going to have this, you know, quote, intergalactic media empire. Um, And that was what Thud was supposed to be. It was was (laughs) an insane promise for what is supposed to be a satire publication. But um, yeah, he had promised this big media production. And then when it actually came about, it kind of just fizzled out very quickly. And so um, back in 2019, I decided, you know, maybe I should look into this and uh, see what actually happened here. Thud didn't give Elon his intergalactic media empire, but it seems he's trying to build said empire once again, this time with Twitter. I talk with Jake about how that might go and how the story of Thud could offer perhaps a cautionary tale. How did Elon and The Onion first cross paths, meet, talk at all? Um, I mean, this is an appropriately ridiculous story, right? Elon, (laughs) the the man ought to be incredibly busy running multiple industry-changing businesses. But instead, um, 
you know, he has a, a, he's very public about his like fairly immature sense of humor. And so one day in 2014, there was an onion story that he found hilarious. It was called, we're going to enjoy this cocaine fueled mason jar rocket ride for as long as it lasts. And he emailed the onion and told him that he loved it. And so the guys at <laughs> the onion were like, Hey, we have Elon's contact info. Maybe we should hang on to that. And uh, that is how they, they got in touch. So when he sends this email saying he loves the satire article about a mason jar rocket ride, does he already have SpaceX at this point? Yeah. Um, so he already has SpaceX. That makes yeah. it even more cringe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so he, he, had, he had SpaceX for, for quite a few years at that point. Um, and, you know, the article mentioned Mars in the second paragraph. And so it's like, you know, it's just like hitting Elon's interests of like sort of immature a drug joke with uh, something nominally about rockets. Yeah, yeah. So Elon reaches out. He's like, hey, The Onion, I like what y'all are doing. This article was LOL. They hold on to his email address. And a few years later, staffers from The Onion reach out to Elon? Yeah, so I at that point, they were no longer Onion staffers. So gotcha. I think they had kind of just stayed in touch a little bit. And this is two guys, right? Who are they? So then we've got um, Cole Bolton, who was the editor-in-chief of The Onion, and Ben Berkeley, who was the executive editor of The Onion. And both of them leave The Onion in 2017. And at that point, they still want to do satire. And they know Elon is interested. So they reach out to him. And you know what? They're lucky, and he bites. And he basically agrees to kind of become their patron and provide them with $2 million worth of funding and uh, potentially more, potentially promotional channels through his, his Twitter account and so on. We should say to our listeners, what exactly Thud is? I have read many of your descriptions of what this thing was in your story. It's really hard to put into a few words what the hell they were trying to do. So I'm going to leave that challenge to you. What the hell was Thud? So Thud is sort of like a next generation onion. They get this idea for, okay, what if we create satire that instead of living at theonion.com, kind of lives all over the place. It might live in the real world. It might live on a brand new website. And this is sort of happening around the time that social feeds are getting really good at putting kind of weird, odd content in front of us. And so they get this idea of like, what if we make a website that's just kind of wildly too good to be true and odd and strange, and maybe people just kind of stumble across it and start sharing it on Twitter as like, oh, this ridiculous thing. And it's sort of based around getting this viral traffic. And so they have these ideas that range from, you know, okay, they made up a, a company that sells a gun that is just constantly firing. It never stops shooting. In a firefight, if you're not shooting first, you're getting shot. That's why Talent Point created TaxStorm, the world's first continuously firing gun. TaxStorm protects you 24-7 because it's firing 24/7. And it is this send-up of gun culture. Um, and so that's one it's thing. It's a fake gun or a real gun? It's, it's a fake gun, right? It, yes. So, so they, okay. they don't, they don't okay. even make the gun, right? They just make a website and they pretend like they're selling this gun that all it does is fire endlessly. From the moment you purchased it, TaxStorm 
is keeping you safe, whether you're pointing it downrange, carrying it, or sleeping. And there's other things they were doing. Like, you wrote that one project Thud wanted to do was to make an entire museum wing that would imagine Britain's imperialist conquest of heaven. (laughs) And it would have a painting showing a ship ascending into the clouds and a plaque describing the treacherous journey there. And elsewhere, artifacts like a flaming sword to represent the treasures they brought back from heaven. I love that. That's hilarious. But it also speaks to this idea that Thud had where it's like these things and the satire would live in the real world, right? Yeah, that's spot on. And so I think those are the two elements, right? Some might be simple and come across your Twitter feed, but others, maybe you're walking around the city and then there's this bizarre installation and you're like, huh. And you don't realize at first that what you're stepping into is this like incredibly well-constructed satirical world. Yeah. It's almost like The Onion meets punked or jackass. Yeah, It's no longer a headline just on your phone. It's in the world and you can experience it. There was one that I loved that you wrote about in the piece. uh, A fake DNA testing company called DNA Friend. (laughs) Like spoofing 23andMe. And to get the word out, they just had a costumed mascot that looked like a smiling drop of spit named Spitty. Uh, He went to Times Square one day and then to South by Southwest on another day. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Right. And I I think, like, this is where it gets really interesting because they theoretically have all this funding. They can just sort of hire people all over the place to go promote these things that don't exist and aren't going to earn them money. But that, you know, maybe a media person will be there at the right or wrong moment and go, what the heck is this? I should cover this. Um, Now, the problem with that is it is also very expensive. And that is where they eventually have problems. Yeah, and it seems to have no opportunity for revenue. Like, none of these businesses are real, so you can't sell the thing. And once you have your stuff outside in the real world, you can't, like, have advertisers to pay to have banner ads on your website because it's not on a website. Right. The traditional business model of The Onion and basically all of online media is is missing in that case. As this is all going down, as they're trying to make Thud happen, how involved is Elon Musk in all of this after giving them $2 million of seed money? He is... I think he's he's fairly distant. Hmm. Elon's not giving them notes on their projects or anything. And he's certainly not asking how the business is going. When does stuff start to fall apart? And when does Elon pull out of the project? So they start working on Thud in late 2017. They hire a handful of people to help work on their projects. They start spinning up the first dozen-ish Thud projects that they want to work on. And um, they get a call from Musk's chief of staff and and they have a meeting. And he says, you know, Elon's pulling out. That's it. When Elon says, all right, I'm out. I'm no longer funding Thud. How do the founders take the news? And what is the fallout, if any, from Elon saying, I'm done with this? Well, so the founders only spoke politely of their interactions with Elon. Um, That being said, 
he did leave them in a pretty awful position. Because after that meeting where the chief of staff says, you're being cut off, they go back and they look at their finances and they realize, well, okay, we only have six months worth of money left. Hmm. We don't want to turn this into a business. We're probably not going to find that money. And so they went, okay, which of our projects are closest to being finished? And they just tried to get everything out the door in those six months. And what did that look like? I mean, this is really difficult, right? Because at, at the point that they were cut off, they had not launched anything. Oh. So FUD was not really a known entity. That's not nice of Elon. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Like, come on, dude. No, it was, so, the, I mean, right, the only reason we even knew this could be coming is because he had at one point tweeted that thud was a thing and then he forgot about it and so i think that really speaks to the dynamic right the reason that we knew to look for thud projects the reason that we cared about the thud projects the reason that i covered the thud projects is because elon tweeted about it once Mm. and so basically i'm sorry for making this joke but like these projects land with a thud uh, because people hey, just Hey, I was discover. hoping you'd get there. I wanted I'm you to, so to, sorry. To, to, to do that. And you didn't. No, don't be sorry. We <laughs> have stuck that landing and I thank you for it. Uh, so thud ends with a thud. I want to go big picture on this and talk about Elon and Elon now and what he's doing or not doing with Twitter. Um, Elon Musk buying Twitter is a business story, but it's also an entertainment story. It's also a culture story. Like, Twitter is the homepage of popular culture online, it seems. And someone like Elon Musk owning it can change a lot about so many things. And the question I keep asking, watching him take the throne on Twitter, is like, what kind of leader is he actually? What kind of leader does he see himself as? What kind of leader does he want to be? And what of his past behavior as a leader, especially in the culture space or the media space, what if his past behavior can help us predict his future behavior with Twitter? Yeah, I think one of the things that's always stood out to me about Elon is that I get the impression that he really accomplishes a lot through his force of personality. The man runs two hugely important companies that are changing the industries that they are part of, right? Electric vehicles and space flight. And then he also runs a whole bunch of other things on the side, right? He has the boring company. And now he has Twitter, which is an entire other giant company for him to take charge of. And I think if you're going to be doing that many companies, you obviously can't be fully focused on any one of them all the time. And so I think a lot of his power is motivational with the boring company, which in a lot of ways is a joke into itself. It's just a company that digs tunnels. He wanted to make a flamethrower. And so they made a flamethrower. Or Tesla, at some point he realized that Tesla and tequila can be mashed up into one word to spell Tesla Kila. And so he made a limited edition Tesla tequila. And I feel like Thud was very much the same way, right? He thought it would be fun and funny and goofy to run a satire startup. Now, with Twitter, he's $44 billion invested. So he can't just. (laughs) Not 2 million, 44 billion. He can't just be like, oops, sorry, my bad. He's on the hook. And I think also, very importantly, his billionaire friends really care about this one. But I do think that what we see him doing feels somewhat whim based. 
when he comes in and takes over, the first things he does are deal with his own personal gripes with Twitter, right? He kicks out a bunch of the executives who he beefed with. He goes, oh, spam bots. Those are the biggest issue. I'm going to focus on that, right? He decides that verification is is the most important thing. And my suspicion is we'll see him run full speed at those things. And the real question is when those are over and when it comes down to getting into the finer points of, say, developing a robust and brand-safe advertising environment, which is super boring, if he'll stick around for that. How how has having reported on Thud and Elon Musk's experience with Thud affected how you're watching his ownership of Twitter? Like, are you seeing things the rest of us aren't seeing or making connections the rest of us aren't or predicting some things that we might not be if folks don't know the story? I don't know that I would say that I have some unique insight here, but I do think that the more you cover Elon, the more you kind of learn to take a lot of what he says with some grain of salt. You know, it takes zero energy to fire off a tweet. And I think with Elon, you see a lot of that direct brain to Twitter link. And Hmm. That feels like it relates back to Thud in that he went, oh, this is fun, no problem, here's some money, and then forgot about it. And while I don't think he's going to forget about Twitter by any stretch, I do think that when you're reading his tweets, you need to look at it and say, okay, is this one where he thought about this for half a second and put it on the internet and we're not going to come back to it? Or is he actually going to follow through with this? As he says he's going to, you know, go to war with Apple. Is that actually going to happen or is he just upset today? I could not tell you that for sure. And I think there's an element of like, okay, let's wait and see if he actually makes the Tesla tequila or if he just thought it'd be funny to put those words together. Thanks again to Jake Kastronakis. You can read his 2019 article at The Verge. It's called Elon Musk Wanted the Onion. He got thud. I just love thinking of that phrase as I read his tweets. Ah, this is Elon marching towards his intergalactic media empire. LOL. <laughs> I fear you're right. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
Culturegeist. Culturegeist. You're listening to Culturegeist. Culturegeist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culturegeist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. Spoilers ahead. Hey, Intuit. It's Vulture's Deputy News Editor Zoe Haylock. So after the experiment in misogyny that was Love is Blind Season 3, I found Spanish reality dating show Love Never Lies or More Confianza, and now it's stuck with me. So not only does this show have same-sex couples, it also has a ridiculously climactic lie detector test. And all of the drama of another Spanish favorite, Elite. To my unfortunately vast knowledge, no other dating show ends with men just giving up on the self-discovery thing and asking their girlfriends for open relationships. I'm honestly afraid Netflix couldn't manufacture this level of mess. Plus, I got my Spanish lessons in, so Duolingo Owl Who... Hi, I'm Tom Smythe, and I've been recapping this season of The White Lotus for Vulture. And my culture ghost comes from this week's episode where there was a lot to be haunted by. From that photo of Daphne's kids to Tanya waving at the Queen of Sicily. But nothing's more top of mind than the grand reveal at the end of the episode where Tanya discovers Love Island reject Jack screwing his uncle, Quentin. And it's just not The White Lotus without death. Tanya McQuad on a boat, and revelatory gay sex. So while Lucas Gage and Murray Bartlett taught us last season to expect a Sean Cody scene behind every closed door, I still wonder why those closed doors don't have any locks on them. But what I really can't stop thinking about is where Tanya goes from here. Will she tell Portia? What's breakfast going to look like tomorrow morning? Will there be Oreo cookie cake there? They apparently have one more night in Palermo where there's been talk of their new friends throwing a party in Tanya's honor, And if there's anything that can make Tanya overlook this minor hiccup, it's a party just for her. Hi, Sam. This is Vonnie from Brooklyn. I've been a huge fan of yours for years. And my culture geist is something my friend Katrina and I talk about a lot, which is that the Black Eyed Peas, and maybe specifically Will I Am, think that you can catch amnesia. There's a line in Don't Funk With My Heart, classic song, where they say, you must have caught amnesia. Totally fine, kind of cute, kind of funny. Years later, on the end, there's a song called One Tribe. And once again, Will I Am sings, let's catch amnesia, forget about all that evil. Really still wouldn't haunt me, except for the fact that in 2021, the Evening Standard reported that Will I Am said the group came back from an eight-year hiatus because he was afraid that the public would catch amnesia. I really don't know what to make of this, and I just want to know, does Will I Am think you can catch amnesia? 
Thanks again to Vani, Tom, and Zoe. This week, my culture geist is the choreography the little kids are doing in the newest Matilda movie. But this time, in this movie, the kids are dancing and they can really dance. It's giving crunking and crumping. It's giving popping and locking. It's giving jabberwockies and so you think you can dance. I cannot stop watching this like two minute trailer of these kids slaying the house down boots, as the kids say. It's haunting me in the best way. Matilda. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? A thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years, for better or for worse, share it with us. The more specific you are, the better. Just send us a short voice memo via email. Intuit at vulture.com. Intuit at vulture.com. Also, if you like this show and want to support it, we could use your help. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, tell your friends about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best advertising. Every little bit helps. All right. Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. And the show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Hannah Rosen is the editorial director of audio at New York Magazine. Listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till then, be good to yourselves and uh, try to dance like the kids do in Matilda. Seriously, it's so great. Oh, it's so great. Okay, bye. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries Running Socks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.